Yeah, it is a blessing to be here. I love visiting other churches. Uh, this is not my church home, but I just love just seeing the body of Christ together. That's actually how me and Scott uh, got to know each other a little bit, was uh, every Tuesday, we, uh, there's a couple youth pastors from the region get together, actually just really from Ephrata, and we get together and we pray for our students, we pray for the Ephrata and just surrounding areas, uh, and just contend to see transformation happen. And so it's been a joy to get to pray with Scott most every week and uh, just continue to kind of contend for the young people. Uh, and I just out of that, right, was, uh, I think it was like last year, maybe a year and a half ago, um, there was different gatherings that were, were taking place, um, really student-initiated, right? And so um, the one night, I think some things kind of got gathered together. I know YWAM Lexer kind of came in. I know Joel Bomberger kind of came in. And there was like 500 students that showed up uh, right near ECC in a field. And we knew as pastors that there was probably going to be like some, some baptisms that were going to take place and things like that. Um, and I just remember sitting in that circle, and one of the questions was like, so how do you baptize? <laughs> and so then in that circle, there was like three different ways. It was like, well, I, we sprinkle at our church. We do front. We do backwards. It was just like at that moment of like, oh, wow. Like, what, so do we agree on this? Like, how do we do this? And it was like really cool because it was like because we prayed together, right, because we knew each other, we could have a conversation like that. And it wasn't really that awkward. But it was also that picture of like, oh, we are the body of Christ, right? And even though we have like a little bit different um, denominations or even maybe some different theology like at the end of the day Christ is central to who we are and what we who we want to be proclaimed and so yeah I just felt like I needed to share that like that's kind of how I got to know Scott's how I kind of got to sit here um, so if you don't like this it's Scott's fault just blame Scott um, anyway um, so yeah like Scott said my name is Curtis Zerman I brought two young men here they're from my youth centers they really didn't want me to embarrass them, so you guys can eventually later. Um, they're great. Uh, but yeah, uh, I actually told Matthew, Matthew's been coming to church with me now for like, I don't know, six months, something like that. And um, I pulled up, picked him up, and, he, and I'm like, did I tell you what we're doing today? He's like, no. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm preaching at a church. He's like, oh, okay. Be nice to know these things. Um, so anyway, uh, a little bit about myself is I've been the director. TNT took over for Mike Wanger, like Scott said, about a year ago, a little over a year, um, and it's been a joy to be able to be in this role, um, but I'm definitely new, and so I'm not a polished speaker by any means, so again, if you don't like this, Scott's fault, just remember that. Um, so uh, I live in Lidditz with my wife named Faith, um, and we have two young boys, a three-year-old and a two-year-old, um, so not only can pray for the sermon, but pray for my wife as she's taking care of those two guys, uh, which has been a lot, but we love it. We have to love it. So anyway, uh, all that being said, let's, let's dive into it. I would love that. God, thank you so very much for this opportunity to, to come together as the body of Christ. We want to honor you in all that we do. We want your name proclaimed. Um, we want your name, yeah, just glorified in this time. So Lord, as we open up your word, as we just have community together, pray, Lord, that you would get the glory, that you would be, um, yeah, just be everything. So, Lord, we just want to honor you today. So thank you, Lord, for this time, this time to gather and worship, um, and just pray a blessing on your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so this sermon might be a little different. When I was talking to Scott a couple weeks ago, we were just, we were trying to figure out, like, okay, like, what are you thinking? Um, and it was Youth Sunday, so it's was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I'm all about it. Um, but 
as we were talking, we were just like, oh, maybe we should like really, like, I want to just like share some stories. So instead of doing like taking a, a passage of scripture and really like deep dive, now we will be opening up our, uh, the word, but like instead of like, uh, we're going to like really dissect a passage, I just felt like, hey, what if we just share some story of what God's doing in our region? Uh, what's God doing among the young people and what kind of I get to see on a regular basis, but then also um, I'm hoping this is both an encouragement and a sense of empowerment to like, hey, like youth are to be celebrated and like we, I really believe that like God uses young people. Um, and so, yeah. So again, I, I just kind of want to say, I, like, I love the next generation. Like, I'm like big and type, really passionate about it. And some of you are probably thinking, like, yeah, that's your, your job, so you kind of have to be. It's like, yeah, you're right. I guess that is somewhat true. But like, when I read scripture, it was it's just so evident how often he uses young people. So some of my heroes from the Bible, right? Or like someone like Samuel, when he when Samuel's first called, pretty young. David, when he's first called, very young. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were first like put into slavery, they probably in the teenage years, right? Esther, when she is called to go before the king, probably in her teenage years. Uh, and then when we get into the New Testament, we look at Mary and even the 12 disciples. Again, all probably like in their teenage years. And so I remember as a teenager reading through this stuff, and I'm just like, I just always pictured old people, right? I just always like, ah, like these are older people that, that God called them. And it's like, ah, man, God really wants to kind of studied it more and kind of got like different. It's like, man, these are really probably anywhere from young as like 11, 12 years old, all the way up to like maybe like early 20s. Like that's when God is like first calling some of these heroes. And it's just amazing. It's like, oh, wow. Like now, now God does use older people too. I think Noah was like 500 when he started building the boat. So like he uses everybody, right? Like, which is good. Um, but there is something I feel like on God's heart that's like, oh, he does use young people. And so because of that, it's like, ah, I just get excited about that. And I just, I think it's just, yeah. At, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, that is like something to be celebrated. So, um, so yeah, like I lead a ministry um, called TNT. We work in, in schools, on campus. Uh, we lead youth centers, right? So these are all things that are great. And I'm sure as parents, you probably recognize that like there is both joys in working with young people, and there's a lot of frustrations working with young people, looking at you too. Um, and so it's like, oh, you get to see both of it, right? And then it's like, ah, oh, like as they try to figure out what what life is, and then as we try to look at, like, okay, where's our role? What is our responsibility, right? And so, like, our, the title of this sermon is, like, our role for, in the next generation, right? So I just want like, what is that? Um, I was looking up stats the other day, and I think, I think this stat is really crazy. I think it's a really positive one. In youth today, the use of drugs, alcohol, and tobacco are actually lower it's been in years. Doesn't mean it's not a concern, right? Like it's still like that's it's still like is a concern among young people, but it's lower than than it has been in a while. But unfortunately, at an all-time high is depression, self-harm, and suicide. Right? Like so, at an all-time so like what happened where these external things are really now all of a sudden it's like students are feeling more hopeless and isolated than ever before, right? And so like, oh, why why is this the case? Um, and so I, as I pondered this question of why are young people, again, feeling more disconnected than ever before, 
feeling more isolated than ever before, in a world that is like, I could call Thailand right now, right? Like, in a world that is more connected than ever before, has more information at its fingertips. I mean, like, it does not take long to call someone. I remember just talking to my parents the other day. I was like, how did you get together with people? You know what I mean? Like, what did that look like? Like, oh, we might call them on the phone. It's like, ew. Like, what are you doing calling people on the phone, right? But, like, that's... I was like, how do you even make, like, how do you plan an event? Like, how do you, like, there's, like, where, when, before email, like, how do you get people to know about it? I mean, I feel like I'm sending, like, 35,000 reminders for an event that's coming up, right? And it's like, and they're like, well, pastor said it, and we showed up. It's like, oh, wow, different world. Um, and so, and so it's like, oh, wow, like, why is it then that, like, these, these things, like depression and suicide and self-harm are at such an extreme high, Right? And such, such a, yeah, the isolation is like huge now. Again, so Springstide Research surveyed young people, right? So when, the fir- when COVID first happened, that first initial lockdown happened, right? Out of the people that they polled, um, they polled only 2% of Gen Z said that religious leaders had checked in to um, see how they were doing during that time, even though about 45% were connected to the local church. And it's like, oh, wow, like... Did we miss something? You know, like, everyone's isolated. Everyone was, you know, disconnected, and for whatever reason, I just think of myself, too. It's like, as a leader, did I check in on students? Did I see how they were doing? Or did I just assume the things they were posting, they were good to go? And it just brought me to, like, this sense of, like, almost angst of, like, oh, man, we, we're messing up. And it's like, oh, why, do, why, do, why are students leaving the church so much? It's, and... And this, the main result is, like, because they don't feel connected. And it's like, why, like, why wouldn't you feel connected? We're doing all this programming. We're, we're, we're putting up things for you. We're having Youth Sunday. Like, why don't you feel connected to church? Why is this something that's like, you know what, this is optional. This is not something that needs to be a priority. Um, and it's like, uh, like, I think, I think a good example is, like, it, they're not leaving the church because of Jesus. They're leaving the church probably because they don't feel connected and no, do they feel known. You know, I think a great example of that is this summer when we see the Jesus rallies and we see the amount of testimonies that came out of this summer about young people getting saved, getting baptized. It's not for the fact that they don't want to know Jesus. It's because maybe us as older people haven't really taken the time to say, you're important and I want to work with you on this journey. Right? And it's like, this kind of breaks my heart to think that way. When I was eight years old, I remember my grandfather would take me out on a pretty regular basis. I would say like maybe twice a month, right? And I would imagine my parents were okay with it because I have ADHD and they were like, get this eight-year-old out of my house, right? Um, And so I remember going to haircuts with my grandfather. I remember going to Paul B's. I remember going to Utter's Choice back when it was at Dove Westgate. Um, So yeah, I am a little old. Um, But like, I just, I remember those moments. I remember spending time with my grandfather. This is an older man, right? And like, but like, I just absolutely love spending time with him. Do I remember a single conversation that took place? Not at all. But I do remember spending time with him, and I remember him taking the time to talk with me. And those were like, that was a really impactful time. Then when I get to high school, I remember every Sunday I would go over to my youth pastor's house, and we'd eat pizza and watch the Eagles game. Do I remember a single conversation that took place? Unfortunately, no. But I do know that he was pretty intentional about asking me how my walk was with the Lord. And I remember giving him probably subpar answers, but he still chose to hang out with me. We're going to jump into Exodus 33. 
So if you have your Bible, that would be great. We're going to jump into Exodus 33, and we're going to be in verse 7. Give you a little time to get to it. Exodus 33.7. Exodus 33.7. We're going to read to just verse 11, so just a few verses. Once again, Exodus 33.7. If you're anything like me, I would have forgot that four times. All right. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered his tent. As Moses went into the tent, a pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. <clears throat> Excuse me. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their own tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So we could talk about a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on, right? I don't know about you, but I have not seen a pillar of cloud enter at a tent before, so I can imagine as the whole nation of Israel is kind of looking at that thing, probably pretty crazy. I would imagine just the spectacle of everyone kind of knowing what to do, kind of like, hey, you know when to sit down and stand up at church? Like, they're all standing at the entrance of their tent watching what Moses is about to do. The fact that Moses spoke to the Lord face-to-face -face as a friend is pretty significant, right? Like, that is, whatever that picture looked like, he had a deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. But what I want to focus on is actually that last verse, right? That very last sentence, almost. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. If you know anything about the story of Joshua and what Joshua eventually does, he eventually, after Moses is no longer allowed to lead the nation of Israel, Joshua then takes over. It's the same Joshua that takes over, walks around Jericho seven times or whatever, and the walls come down. What I love about Moses and Joshua's relationships is like you don't like get a ton of glimpses of what happens, but it's pretty evident through some of the texts that like Moses is investing into Joshua in some capacity and getting Joshua ready to, and fit to lead the nation. It says, young, it says young Joshua. I don't know how young he is at this point. But I think there's something significant about like, oh, like he is investing into Joshua in a very significant way. And Joshua then feels capable, even though he's super nervous as we read in Joshua, about how to lead Israel in this next season. And I think about like, wow, that is, that is an amazing story about how that kind of comes about. Um, and just seeing like, what Moses does with Joshua, and just even knowing what happens next. So I think about some of my heroes, right? And I think about like just this significance of like in a world of young people feeling isolated, what is our role? What was Moses's role? And I, I know for a fact there was a lot of people that Moses had to lead over, and I'm, I'm sure there's moments of like, can, is he actually being effective? But I think there's also this point of like, ah, I can be effective with one. And he took the opportunity to do that. I think we see that a lot with Jesus' story, too. Right? A lot of people wanted to follow Jesus, but there was 12 guys that he really invested into. I think it's some of my own heroes. 
I think it's a mind here is of like people that, you know what, they're going to take the time to invest into the next generation. So TNT has a leader named Caleb. He's a leader at the Effort of Youth Center. Uh, he leads a group of 7th through ninth grade guys. Uh, Caleb is a blue-collar, like, borderline redneck. Uh, he's introverted. He doesn't like sports. He doesn't like anything competitive. And the Lord said, hey, you're going to lead a group of about five guys that are all really into football. Like I said, Caleb's pretty much an introvert. So you got these loud, robust, like middle school, like early high school guys that he gets to lead on a weekly basis. What I love about Caleb is he really cares about those boys. It's hard for me to talk to Caleb without him not bringing up those boys and saying how what's happening. At the Jesus rallies, one of his boys, he couldn't, get, he, uh, Caleb couldn't go, but one of his boys got baptized. And one of the first people that this young man called slash text was Caleb. Send him a video of it and saying, hey, look what just happened tonight. It's been truly just, like, inspiring. Caleb now meets up with those young men pretty much once a week early before church to lead a Bible study. Outside of the context of a weekly gathering, he says, hey, let's, let's go a little deeper. One of, my, one of my heroes. This summer, we had three volunteers at TNT get married. At each one of those weddings, they had their... The, the volunteer had their small group come to the actual wedding, right? One of the greatest days of their life, those volunteers said, you know what, we're going to make space for some of these students that we invest into on a weekly basis. It was, it was really cool to kind of witness. One, another one of my heroes is named Beth Ann. She's a volunteer of middle school girls at Lidditz. Um, and her middle school girls are crazy, right? Just like probably every middle school girl. Um, but... These girls in particular, right, her husband and her daughters were at a, I think they like went to some summer camp for the week, so Beth Ann was home alone. And if you're a mom, you're like, that seems like a dream come true, right? Um, like, wow, freedom! What Beth Ann did during that week is she knew one of the girls in her group does not have really much of a mom figure in her life. She stays with this, this young girl named Denia, stays with her grandparents pretty much all year round. Every once in a while, we'll see her mom. And Beth Ann said, called her grandma up and said, hey, I have the day free. Can I kind of take an eye on? So they went around and they went shopping. They did all kinds of sorts of things. And I, can, I, can know, I know for a fact that Anaya really appreciated that. Right? Took the time to say, you know what? You're important to me. The title of this sermon, like I said before, is what is our role in the next generation? And I just think of some of those, those people, those leaders that just said, you know what, they're going to step into it in a world that, again, feels like we are connected more than ever before. Do we have to be personal? And I would argue that there's, there's no other thing that is more important right now. Students are looking for someone to say, do you know who I am? Can I trust you? Can I communicate with you? And so these leaders are saying, you know what, we're going to do that crazy part is I don't think these leaders do anything crazy and dynamic, right? I don't think these leaders are the ones that are like up here on a Sunday morning speaking. I know most of these leaders are actually probably more introverted than anything else, right? And the fact that they said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take these young people and I'm going to invest in them is a pretty big deal. One of my heroes is also Kaylin. Kaylin is at, was at the time, she was a junior in high school. 
And we challenged Kaylin. I was like, hey, Kaylin, like you're a leader of the Bible study. You're a leader in your youth group. Do you know what it looks like to like reach your peers? Do you know what it looks like to like potentially like live a life that would actually be missional rather than just doing the programmatic things that you're involved in? We challenged Kaylin to say, hey, would you reach out to this young lady named India? India's not involved uh, in church, and I think it would be really good for her to actually have someone like you. I say that a lot. I say that kind of thing to a lot of different high schoolers. Most of the time, they don't take me up on it. Kaylin said, I'm going to do it. She actually ended up doing it. I see, I see later that Kaylin is picking up India most weeks for church because India has no way to get to church. She's going out of her way. She goes past the church to go pick up India to go back to the church on most Sundays. She's going to break down the boundaries of what it looks like to be missional. So it's like, okay, where, where's our responsibility? According to stats, about 50% of us don't know what the Great Commission is, so I'm going to read it. So we're going to go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 6, we're going to start in 16 and finish up the chapter. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus Christ told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Right? Right before Jesus leaves, he given us all, I don't believe it was just those 11 disciples, I believe he gave all of his disciples that make up the church that commission to say, go make disciples and teaching them everything I've commanded you. I would, I would be a fool to think that I should just leave it at that. So, like, what does it look like to actually make steps towards a lifestyle of being more missional? And there is books upon books written about it. There is all kinds of things. So I, I just have four things that I think could help potentially help you start the journey of what does it look like to invest into another person. The first step is pray, right? It's no, it seems simple, but how often are we intentional about praying for someone in particular? Are we, do we actually, like, list them out? Do we, we pray specifically for some people, or do we just kind of make generic prayers? I have somewhere in here. There it is. This is my little prayer card. I have five names written on it, all students, because I know if I don't have something like this, I'm probably not going to pray for you. It's unfortunate, but that's just sometimes the reality. Is there five people in your life that you're like, you know what, maybe I need to start investing into them? Well, the best way to do that so write down their names and begin to pray for them on a daily basis. And second piece of, so his first is prayer. The second one is to be intentional. These things don't just happen. I know my sinful nature is I'm way more inclined to just sit on the couch, right? I'm way more inclined just to watch Netflix. Like those are just things that come easy. I don't have to work for that. What doesn't come easy all the time for me is to be intentional with the relationships that I have already. And so what does it look like to be intentional? Right? I think if you would talk to your pastors like Mel,
or Bruce or Mickey or Scott, I'm sure they could say, hey, we have a lot of people that probably could use someone like you to invest into them, right? So what does it look like for you to be intentional with that? I think it starts with prayer, but then I think there's an intentionality piece that needs to happen for you to take a step forward. Third piece, once you start talking with somebody, I think it's to be humble and to understand that, like, it's, it's probably better to ask more questions than to just talk and say you know all the answers. Young people are probably overdone with them, us talking to them rather than being with them. Right? What if we asked more questions and asked how they were doing? Maybe some of these isolation things and, and depression would actually be a little less because we're actually asking them how they're doing. I think the fourth piece, right? So we've got pray, be intentional, be humble. The fourth piece would be invest. And I'm not just talking about money, although I am talking about money. Um, I'm talking about time, right? Like, again, same, similar to the in, intentional piece, there is an investment that needs to take place. Um, it's going to probably mean sacrifices in some area, right? But if there's no greater commission than this, right, in God's word and making sure people hear about this, then I can't think of anything else that would be worth doing. In my opinion, it's like, ah, I'd sacrifice my job, I'd sacrifice money. It doesn't matter in order for young people to, to get this message. Um, yeah, to think that I still talk with young people that don't know the Christmas story is kind of crazy to me in this area. But I just had a conversation not too long ago. He's never heard the Christmas story. Wow, it takes an intentional person to invest into someone like that, to actually tell them everything I've commanded you, right? So what does that look like in your life? I also am talking about money, though. I think there is, like, other, other areas that we can give. I think about what YWAM Lancaster is doing right now in the region and, and really having a heart for young people. Like, I think there is a sense of, like, we need to invest into that. I think about ministries right here in this area, like the Bridge Youth Center and Crossfire, that are working with young people on a regular basis, I think they need investment in finances as well to continue to do the work. I think even just here at your local church, as we invest into our own congregation, it's like, what does it look like to say, you know what, I'm going to put aside finances to say, I want to see more uh, resources going to the next generation. Let's, let's stand. We're going to sing a song just... Um kind of a song of reflecting and, and asking the Lord for um, kind of for his thoughts about us, I guess, and and um, and, and uh, sort of asking for a, a release into a life of, of power and a life of, of um, doing just this, the things that he's called us to. Um, some of you know the song, you, you may not, and if, if you don't want to sing, you can just listen, that's fine, but um, but yeah, if this is your heart, if this is where you, you would like to, to be with the Lord, um, if you want to know what he sees in you, if you want to know um, about your own life and, and where you're at and where he wants you to be, because let's be honest, we're all, we all have improvements to make we all we all can move forward in the lord and in his kingdom into greater things um so i i think a powerful song of of release powerful song of uh asking the lord to make us who he's who he's created us to be 
look at me What do you see Are you pleased Am I reflecting Your love Your truth I want to be today and you want to you want to nail it down you want to put a stake in the ground today and say something's going to be different I would encourage you just to come up here and um, we'll have some brothers and sisters come pray with you or um, you know whatever it might be but I want to open that up for anybody who's, who's just feeling like they need more than just to stand and and sing this song feel free to come on up I can't live it anymore 
spoken to me release me free me lord this powerless life i can't live it anymore fill me fulfilling me the promise of your word you've spoken to me Thank you. 
that's our prayer as a body, as this body of believers that you've put together, along with the rest of, of your church, your bride, let this be our anthem, wanting to be who you've created us to be in this time, walking in obedience. And I thank you for speaking to us today, for challenging us, God. We need, we need to be spurred sometimes. We need to be challenged. Sometimes we need things to, to sting a little bit, just to remind us of your heart, to remind us of, of your purpose for us. So God, I thank you for what you've spoken to us today. I thank you that um, some have, have felt something from you, that uh, you're calling them or you're, you're reassuring them, you're challenging them, whatever it might be. Um, your, your words, your whether it's words of encouragement, words of conviction, um, whatever they are, if they're from you, God, we receive them and we say thank you. We receive them and we praise you. We thank you for those words and for that, that power that you wanna put in us to walk in your ways, to walk in your truth. So thank you, God, for all that you've done here today. We pray a blessing on Curtis on the, the two guys he brought with him. I forget their names, but I pray a blessing on them as well. God, your best for their lives. Your best. I pray that they would not settle for anything less than that. Thank you for TNT and what you're doing with them. We pray a blessing on them as well. God, let them prosper in everything that you've called them to. Let them prosper. Thank you, God. We give you praise. We give you glory this day for all you've done for us and for this time, we pray. Amen. You're free to go. Um, if you want to keep praying, please, please do. Thank you.